Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you very, very much for listening in. Uh, very special episode number 200. Uh, Probably hasn't hit home actually. Like uh, it's been about uh, eighteen months since we started the podcast. The podcast sort of started by default, pretty much, and uh, sort of evolved uh, ever since. Um, looking back, there's been some amazing conversations happen. Some people that have had some real shifts within themselves uh, through opening up on the podcast. Some people that have had real shifts in themselves by listening to some of the guests share their experiences on the podcast. Uh, there's been people that have been really struggling that have actually been able to turn a corner. Um, there's been some enlightenment uh, for people to be able to sort of empower themselves and make some changes in their lives to be proactive about you know their, their mental health and, and that's what it's all about. You know we're not meant to be struggling in this lifetime. We're really meant to thrive and um, you know I've got to keep reminding myself of that and. Uh, uh, I know uh, that is available to us all. You know, we've just got to make the changes and make the shifts that can help us um, function better as humans and support each other. And that's the great thing about this podcast: just the support and uh, the enthusiasm that people have got, and the zest for life. Um, you know, is is really there. So we've had an interesting couple of years, and you know, since the podcast's been going, we've also been on a on a real journey of uh, ups and downs with regards to you know, the way society's sort of gone and going. But I just think. We're sticking together and we're doing things uh, collaboratively now. And, uh, you know, people uh, like today's guest, Trevor Hendy, are very, very open and honest about, you know, sharing their own experiences and talking about the truth uh, and the, the real truth, the raw stuff. You know, that's what it's all about, getting to the core of, um, of our feelings and uh, emotions and what, uh, what we, uh, we perceive in life, you know, to be able to talk about that openly and honestly, I think is really key. So... This podcast today, uh, you know, number 200, uh, Trevor and I talked and I said, uh, be good to have you on as a guest. Uh, he's been on three or four times before, three times, I think, and uh, every conversation has been really well received and, uh, uh, you know, there's been some great uh, feedback come from every one of them. So I'm sure today's not going to be any exception. We're going to have a really open and honest chat. We don't know where it's going to go, so strap yourself in. I'm sure you're going to uh, you're going to enjoy the ride with this one. So I really appreciate you listening in and just and your support as well. Um, if you do enjoy the podcast, I'd really be grateful if you may be kind enough to make a donation to the Outback Mind Foundation. Uh, we're certainly certainly evolving, and uh, we want to try and uh, have more of an impact throughout regional Australia. So. If you want to jump on the Outback Mind Foundation website, support us, you'll see some info about helping out. Really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your feedback on this uh, podcast as well. If you'd like to email me, support at outbackmind.com.au. Sorry, .org.au. So support at outbackmind.org.au. Alrighty, let's, uh, let's rip into it. G'day, Trev. 
G'day, Az. Um, so good to be back with you, mate. It is. It's been, been a little while, uh, and uh, I sort of had a few conversations with people and said, who do you reckon I should get on for the 200th episode? And, and I think everyone basically said, well, you know, you need to get on and uh, have another yak with Trev because they know it's going to be a pretty raw, open conversation about uh, a variety of different things, and we don't usually hold back on stuff, so... Oh, that's good. It's good that um, you and I, when we get together, our reputation proceeds, mate, that we, we won't hold back and we won't, um, you know, we'll basically go where we need to go in the conversation, which is great. We probably, we would have got a, you know, a fair bit of trouble at school, I would have thought, you know, if we talked about the, the truth and what we actually believed. But uh, it's good that we've got these platforms now that we can actually do this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, certainly try and help a few people out there with, um, with uh, you know, elevating their awareness at the end of the day. Mate, I wouldn't say I would have got in trouble at school. I, I would say I did. Um, <laughs> when when I, um, at a young age, and questioned uh, the religious education teacher on something that just didn't seem right, um, I got shut down really, really fast. And, you know, so I think I shut myself up for a long period of time going, hang on, don't question your elders or don't question the hierarchy because <laughs> they'll shoot you down. And uh, it's, you know, probably in recent times why it feels so good to speak the truth is because it's even the, little, the inner child, you know, the little boy in me going, I'm finally speaking up. So it's yeah. a good thing. Held back for a long time. And isn't it interesting, you know, like these belief systems that we're sort of, uh, we've been indoctrinated in, you know as well as I that there's this fundamental truth beyond that, you know. Um, uh, you know, when you're sort of getting in this rhythm and flow and, and more connection with life or more connected with life, you just find this, this pure harmony um, uh, and you know that everything's supporting you at the end of the day. Totally, yeah, and you start to, I mean, the, the great, uh, you know, great lie, I think we might have mentioned this before, but the great lies that we're all separate, you know, and that we're all in competition with each other and there's a scarcity of resources, that's a, that's a, that's a dimensional um, distortion, in other words, <clears throat> down at this dimension where we're all competing with each other, it appears to be true, mm. um, and it keeps, you know, giving, it, giving us evidence that it is true, um, but at another level of being, when we start to open up to who we really are and what our heart is saying about a situation, not our head. Mm. Um, and when we just go, no, hang on, there's something more to that. We're more inquisitive again, like we were when we were kids. Mm. You know, this other dimension begins to reveal itself, like almost reveal itself, re-reveal itself. You know, it shows back up in our life where magic starts to come in and you have these experiences of, wow, that's all connected. And, mm. you know, at the start, people say, oh, it's like, it's, nah, it's a coincidence. Well, firstly, coincidence in the... Um, in Latin means two incidences that were basically coexist, they exist to, to occur together. So coincidence means that something's meant to be, mm. not an accident. Um, and that's the original meaning in the dictionary before it was altered back in the, in the early 1900s, I think. Mm. But, um, mm. but it's funny, you, when you see it, it doesn't matter whether people think it's a coincidence or not or an accident or not or just a, hey, oh, that just happened. It's when it happens over and over and over again that you follow your truth, you stand up for yourself, and life gives you back like an extraordinary result. You 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 can't not trust, and you start to forget about listening to your head, and you start listening to your heart exclusively because it always leads you the right way, even if sometimes temporarily gets you in trouble. Yes. In the end, it's like, oh, that's why I went that way. It all works itself out in the end. Yeah, mate. It's amazing, isn't it? And, and you know how we get um, you know too sort of tense and caught up between the ears, and, and sort of uh, 
being able to to you know be aware of that and disconnect from that and just actually like realize where the energy of your life's actually taking you you know there's this undercurrent which is happening you know unconsciously or subconsciously which um where we're not actually um, aware of that uh, that's taking us to where we actually need to be right at that 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 perfect moment and you know you can either go one way you can go into uh, a negative mindset or into a growth mindset where you can look at uh, well what's this trying to teach me and uh, and be able to sort of you know move through that I think it's really really important and probably a, a key message for, yeah, for people listening to this one for sure, mate. And that undercurrent's an interesting one because there's an there's an undercurrent in life which we begin to trust more and more as we open ourselves up. But you don't under you don't trust the undercurrent of life until you've trusted the undercurrent in yourself. Yeah. Until you start to go, oh, I just feel different about that. Oh, hang on a second. And people get it when they listen to us talk about this. Um, the people that are ready and just going, yeah, I just want to shift something or change something. They just hear the words or the essence of what we're saying, and they go. Yeah, you're right. I haven't been backing myself, or I, you know, haven't been trusting that I've got this weird little intuition, or a little bit of sort of inner knowing that oh, I shouldn't go that way, or I should go that way, or I shouldn't talk to that person. I need to talk to that person. Whatever it is, it, it manifests itself in varied ways. But the common thing is, it's like something stirring inside to say, "Come on, would you finally listen to me?" You know, and yes. it's it's actually. Our, you know, our gut, our heart, our higher self, whatever you want to call it, our spirit, that we're that is actually begging for us, the personality, to listen to it. You know, mm. rather than just to always go the same old way. And, and I love the work Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing, and he talks a lot about, you know, similar to Einstein when he said you cannot solve a problem on the same level of mind it was created. Mm. So you have to switch that level of mind to get it to a new place. And and Joe Dispenza talks about the great evidence that he has that. The person that has made all the problems for themselves, they come in and begin to process it, but they realise they have to process themselves and shift themselves and change their own thinking and their mindset, Mm. and then they get a different set of results. And so what really you could say is it ends up being a different person. You know, so you're a different person if your person is made up of everything you think about and what you believe and everything else. Um, that becomes a different thing. And then the different result is automatic after that. You cannot not get a different result when you become a different person because you've adjusted yourself in some positive way. Mm-hmm. But similarly, you won't get a, you'll get a, a different result again um, if you become a, become a different person because you've altered yourself in a negative way because I'm not going to trust anymore or I got hurt in that relationship or I put too much effort in and didn't get something back. So we get bitter and twisted and tight and we become a different person in the negative and then it just perpetuates. Well, we might get a couple of wins, but we get cranky and hold it close to ourselves and then, you know, we get sick or ill or have accidents. And <clears throat> so even our problems are created by becoming a different person in the negative and our solutions are created by becoming a different person in the positive. But either way, um, it's really helpful to start shifting our, our perception of ourselves and our perception of life so that life itself can show up differently in our, in our world. Even if it's the same things, we see it a different way and then we end up getting a different result. Yeah, mate, absolutely uh, well said. And it's interesting, you know, we're on this journey and we're only in these bodies for a short period of time. And um, I mentioned to you about, you know, a bit of the, the work I've been doing to understand, you know, where you need to be in, in certain decades of your life and what you need to do to be able yeah. to find, find that balance again. And mm-hmm. you're, you're in your 50s and, and I've, I've just clocked, clocked over, but, 
you know, I've been very yin uh, for the last maybe four or five years, you know, more into the meditation and, and that side of yep. things. But now I'm starting to get that spark back, you know, for listeners understanding the yin and the yang, so that balance. And, and that, that yang energy, uh, once you hit 50, I think is really important, you know, so you can keep the body working functionally, but actually it just gets the mind more subtle and settled. And then you've still got this beautiful connection, which, um, which is there for us all, you know. We're just going to try and do things to actually keep us maintained and um you know, in that uh, in that realm, and you know, we, we talk about when we were kids, where we just got this this freedom and and uh, you know fluency with life. As we get older, we lose it because we get distracted with all the bullshit. But um, you know, I just think it's available to us all on a daily basis if we can do things that actually get us back to that harmony again. Oh, mate, so so cool, so well said. Um, and tweak things and change things up. You know, so I'm 54. Um, I love that thing. You know, yin and yang is a bit like breathing in and breathing out. Yeah. You know, um, it, that one follows the other, and um, and they happen in just a, like the the waves washing up the shore and then washing back down. You look at it and you go, they're waves, mm. but they come up and they go back, and they, the water comes up and it goes back, and it's it's a similar sort of thing for the being. We are a being, but we've split into this um, capabilities of yin and yang, so we can care and be still. And all encompassing and slow ourselves down and sink into the, uh, the beauty of the world that's the yin mm. we've got the yang where we can go outside push our boundaries challenge things break down barriers you know all that sort of stuff which is the yang mm. um and the problem is when you go for in one for too long so i think the evolution of us is to be able to go into one or the other as we need to breathe in or breathe out spiritually so you know in the old days I was yang for, you know, 10, 15 years while I tried to win the world title and, and then try and win it again and again. And, mm. and I was yang, 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 yang. So, of course, when you've had a, 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 uh, a big breath in, you know, you need to have a big breath out afterwards. And so then I had a long period of just being yin and going, oh, wow, exploring who we are, my emotions, my connection with people, how I really feel about the way I've showed up in the world, you know, all the feeling stuff. And then, hang on a second two yin and all of a sudden i've got to get into action again so i'm out there speaking and working at footy clubs and you know um working back in sport and corporate and everything else and and then as i do that for a while so hang on a second back to yin you know i'm, I'm creating charities and sinking in and walking around understanding the community and you know and it's just like if i look back the yin and yang breath is probably just shortened in its duration and it's become more wake up in the morning and breathe in now and breathe out now and breathe in now and breathe out now. So care now and go into action now, but mm. but don't exclusively operate in one because then you get that, um, what's that word where um, atrophy, you know, where it's, if there's something you're not using like a muscle because you've been laying in your bed in a coma um, those muscles can atrophize or if someone doesn't come along and exercise them while we're in their coma. You know, and it's a similar thing, your heart and your, not just your physical heart, but the essence of your heart, your emotions and your spirit and your soul and your feelings can go into atrophy. They just jam up and we're just numb, you know. So I'm just really finding lately um, to serve the moment and just to go, okay, what do I need to be now? I know how to be caring and I know how to be dynamic and, and even sometimes needing to be in people's faces and challenge them, which is very yang. Mm. And it's like, oh, it's not a matter of which one do you need to be. It's a matter of what does the moment call for and how can you best serve the moment and the person opposite you and yourself in a higher sense, just uh, being one or the other. So I've noticed that this morning I've been into, last couple of months I've been right into fishing, mm -hmm. back into fishing, and it's very 
it's got a nice yin and yang about it, right? You, you pull these fish out of the ocean and the ones that you want, you dispose of them and take them home and cook them. It's a very yang sort of thing, the, the, the provider, you know, the hunter-gatherer. But it's also very yin when you're just standing there relaxing, you know, chilling out and thinking, is my bait in the right place? I'll just chill for a while or is I've got the right lure on or whatever it is. Mm. But um, that's been really, really cool. And it's probably quite balanced in the sense of that I'm standing on the edge of the shore having these great experiences. And many years ago, I had fishing boats and jet skis set up to fish and stuff and haven't had that for a long time. A friend of mine, Nathan Meyer, who's World Ironman champion in 96 and 98, he... Um, We've been fishing a lot together and he's just taken off and before he left he for a six-week trip up to the northern territory to go fishing before he left he said oh he dropped over his he's one of his kids um fishing kayaks and so this morning i jumped on this fishing kayak and paddled out in the surf and so all of a sudden i'm fishing from the kayak i'm paddling which is obviously yang mm. i'm exploring the boundaries which is obviously yang and then I'm, I'm tossing the lure around doing different things and then after a while i was changing a lure just sitting out to sea a bit going oh, my God, this is incredibly yin, you know, <laughs> just sitting here floating around. I was actually thinking that, so peaceful, you know. And But the, the thing I got out of it was I'm getting told at the moment time to be more yang again, time to exercise again. I think I shared with you two years ago that I trained for the Cool and Get a Gold during COVID and got really fit for that. And then mm. the last year or so, I haven't done much at all. I've been sitting with people and everything. So it's like every every moment of every day or each week and month, you get another signal to say, come on, get active. Now, come on, be still, you know. So, so you know, all of a sudden, I've, I've come home this morning to Joe, my wife, and she's looking at me going, oh, what have you taken up now, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, kayak fishing, it's unreal. You can relax and you can paddle around and get fit. No, I had to go. But no, I didn't even get a bite. (laughs) But but geez, it was fun. A lady's passed me on the beach. She said, oh, can I ask, were you successful? And I said, yes, yes. Very successful. What did you catch? I said, no, I didn't catch anything, but I was successful. I had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's it's made me realise that that even just going out and trying new things is cool too because – that's the first – I've fished on skis and towed lures around, but that's the first time I've actually paddled out and sat there and put a line on a little rod holder and changed lures and, you know, done different things. And, um, it, you know, it opens up those new neural pathways to do different things. And, by the way, I got dumped twice and rolled over and drenched my rod and reel and everything. I think people would have been walking past the beach going, who's that muppet out there in the surf? Do they even, do they even know what they're doing? Like, do they need rescuing? You know, and I've got line tangled up in me in the little net that I've taken to catch all the fish that I didn't catch. And, but um, but it was it's a tremendous experience. And at the end of the day, it actually makes me feel a bit better, brighter, more alert and alive for, alert and alive for the next person that I want to get in and help or contribute to in the world. So. Mm. It's a, it's a funny thing what life brings to you and sometimes brings back to you to make sure that you're still fresh and alive. For sure, mate. And I've often wondered, I'm sure people listening would be as well, if you've got a decent fish, what the hell do you do with it out there? What was that? I just cut out. <laughs> if, I'm sure people listening are often wondering like about this sort of stuff. If you've got a decent fish, what the hell would you do with it when you, when you, got, <laughs> you know, got it out there? Hence, hence the net that I ultimately, without a fish, got tangled up in when I rolled off. Um, <laughs> But we used to go tailor fishing and, and Nathan Meyer, who I just spoke about, and Jay Gilbert, um, Carla Gilbert, the World Iron Woman champion, her, her brother Jay was a great mate of mine and the three of us were trolling a lure one day looking for Taylor out off um, Fingal Headland in New South Wales and we, we wrap a, a really strong line in case you get something bigger around a thong and you put the thong in your foot up in the foot welds and you're paddling the proper tippy racing ski so you can go pretty fast. 
and you tow this lure around and and when the fish bite, it pulls on your, you know, the line comes from your foot up over your shoulder and out behind you and it pulls on you and you stop and you turn sideways and you, you know, wind the fish in and, and a, a good-sized tail is pretty hard to deal with. I had a couple chomped down on my inner thigh and not be able to get them off and stuff like that. But <laughs> but on this particular day, um, we're paddling around, all of a sudden Nathan's screaming and yelling out and we turn around, he's laying backwards on his ski and it's pulling him over backwards and he's holding onto the thong as hard as he can. He just let it go and it flew out of his hands through the air. And I paddled past in the other direction, you know, nose to nose. I went, what was it? He goes, I don't know, mate, something just hooked me. And, <laughs> and so I paddled the direction behind him where the thong went and couldn't see it. And then after about in 50 metres time, it came up out of the water like it floated up. And I paddled over and I picked it up. And I'm going, and he's, he's turning a big circle around and he's coming back towards me. He goes, anything on? I'm, it's loose. And I'm going, no, nah, no. Nah. And when it got tight, I was like, whoa, and it took off. <laughs> and was towing me on the ski like I was planing on the racing ski, holding onto this fish, holding onto a thong, Woo, just flying through into the chops and everything. And he was paddling, trying to keep up. Going, what is I going? I don't know. And we end up tiring this thing out, and we we got it in. It was a 20, 20 kg um, Spanish mackerel. Jeez. You know, basically from the floor to to Nathan's ear, he's six foot four, six foot five. It was the floor to his ear. It was that big. And we had to pull it up over the top of us and, you know, dispatch of it in front of it, you know, because he took it home and cut it up and everything. But mm. but that's a good example of how you get it up. We end up putting the three skis side by side and create like a bit of a platform and pulled it up. And, and Jay was still convinced it was a shark. So he was trying to paddle away. We're going, just don't go anywhere. He's that's a shark. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and then we pulled this big mackerel up. And the funny thing was the head, the nice chompy head ended up at his his feet on the use the third ski over end up on his feet. He's like ah, but um, uh, you know, classic little adventure and talk about Yang. I, I tell you what, we had the adrenaline running that day. But um, and then you come home and you provide for the family. So yes, it can be tricky, and um, I'm hoping to get that experience again at some point. Got to settle down. That's the thing, mate. Like, isn't it amazing? Like, you look at life, and this is a really important part of what we're talking about here. We're using this analogy of balance and Yin and Yang. But primarily, the average man listening to this uh, or woman listening to this is in a yang mindset consistently. And this is where, you know, our mental health can get really out of whack. Like, as you said before, we're getting a kick in the ass from the universe all the time, but we're just actually not observing it, you know. And um, to be able to actually find that that balance and be aware of where you are situated, I think that's really, really important. One of the, the guys that's um, one of the directors on the Outback Mind Foundation board He's working all the time, you know, and he's sort of saying to me the other day, like, uh, you know, I've got to go, I've got to get into it. I said, mate, you've got to find this balance, otherwise you're going to get kicked in the ass. And I just don't think that that discriminates. Do you, do you agree? Oh, yeah, look, oh, my God. And I'm sure people have heard this explained on your podcast before in different ways, but for the benefit of new people listening, um, it's, it's now scientifically proven that we are living far more in the yang or the fight or flight, mm. the do, 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 the action mode um, than ever previously. And everybody's caught up in it, not in a way where it's productive like, um, you know, the old ancient thing that's in our DNA is that if we've got to get from one cave to another and get ourselves away from the saber-toothed tiger, mm. then the adrenaline's going to start pumping, cortisol produced and the strength's going to be there to get the family from one place to another and you're going to have a very linear look and your, your sight's going to be very focused. You'll see everything move in the bushes and you're really focusing in. And 
and that's designed to, for survival, to get you from one place to the other. So you get to the cave and you set up in set up shop in the new cave or home in the new cave and get the fire out in front and nice view of the hills or whatever. And obviously this that analogy relates to, to modern day, set up in the house and pay the mortgage off and get the business to a point where all the customers are happy or the sales, you know, um, sales line is working correctly or whatever it is that we think we've got to get done. Mm. But, of course, what happens – and, by the way, when we get into the cave and we're happy and everyone's there and the fire cooks and and the, the smell of the food starts to go on, we start to look at the horizon and we start to relax and we come from the fight or flight into the rest and recovery, also mm. called rest and recare, repair, rest and restore or rest and digest. So the system goes, well, I can relax and chill out now. And that's, that's going from the sympathetic nervous system, which is designed to get us through that drama, to the parasympathetic, which is designed to actually heal us again and get us ready for whatever we've got to do next. Yes. So, like breathing in and out, yang to yin. Mm. And the crazy thing about that is when we're in the sympathetic, in the fight or, fight or flight, we're in the amygdala portion of the brain, and that, op- that creates our focus to be a very particular way for survival. Mm. And then when we come into that rest and recovery, um, we actually go into the parasympathetic and we go into the prefrontal cortex where we can perceive things. So it's like looking at the horizon and seeing the whole valley and going, isn't it beautiful where we live? And, wow, well, my kids have grown up and my grandkids. It's the being the ability to reflect on things and see things and feel and um, touch on our own internal reward centre. So we start producing dopamine. Um, plus we get the, the oxytocin and serotonin, similar to the baby on the breast, that puts us back to sleep and allows us to go under recovery and repair and restore, etc. And um, so these two systems are, are stimulated by any one of those things in the chain and the line. So by the way, when we go into fight or flight, we also breathe shallow and faster and we're pumping blood out to the muscles to actually operate those muscles and get them going. Um, when we breathe slower and more relaxed or, or when we go into rest and recovery, we start breathing slower, deeper into the diaphragm, that yogic breath. It stimulates all sorts of different chemicals going through the body. Um, it's a whole different, basically, system that's activated. And what's happened is um, if we learn how to breathe properly in the middle of a stress, we could just breathe and we could switch ourselves back into the into the parasympathetic rather than going up in the sympathetic all the time and burning out our adrenals and everything. Um, If we learn to change the way we see things, like it's not actually urgent, it's just an opportunity. It's not life and death, it's just a challenge. You know, um, we produce different chemicals by changing the thoughts because our body only knows what our mind has told us and our mind is operating off past things and experiences and past uh, memories. So literally we have to be conscious to say, what does this situation really mean and slow ourselves down to get the best out of ourselves so we can change it, you know, that way. And similarly, um, by touching things like doing activities that, that actually produce us to feel like yoga, stretching, laying back in nice, beautiful running water like you would in a creek or the ocean, um, all these things invite us to go back into the parasympathetic and, and have the healing elements. So this can be hacked. It can be turned on and off all the time. But the, the crazy thing is, is that in the modern world, we've all got all these things that we're trying to complete and do and get to the finish line. And that at a subtle level is like that cave that I won't be safe. I won't be happy. My finances won't be safe. My kids won't, and then hence my kids upbringing or the private schooling or public schooling or getting a uniform for them or, you know, um, being able to afford to go on a holiday or this is all in jeopardy and it's all in danger. 
all the time because we're just run ragged with jobs and challenges and traffic and all the different things. So we're actually living, even though we've probably, as a society, never been more comfortable on many levels, um, we're living more in fight or flight and insecurity than ever before. And then throw in socially disregarded my Instagram, no one, no one liked my photo or they <laughs> laughed at me. I got, you know, shit canned or there's negative social media stuff happening. And so now it's just perceptions are making a massive difference. You know, there's a, there's a safe cave of your public image and there's a dangerous valley that you've got to run through where people aren't sure what you're really about or what's Aaron saying or Trevor saying, oh, God, he's a wanker, you know, like, um, so there's all these stresses and everything else that we're trying to get away from and get from back to the place of safety where the caves there, the home set up, the skins are, let the, you know, the bear skins are laid out on the ground and the fire's cooking and there's some food on it and the wife's happy or, you know, the husband's happy or what, in whatever case it is. So it's kind of crazy that it's become this subtle, slow, slow burn and that's why people are craving sugars um, and craving carbohydrates and comfort foods and alcohol and drugs and sex and winning and gambling because when we are relaxed and we do feel good, we have a feeling of, ah, oh, this feels good. Um, and if we can't get back to that feeling, we'll find other ways of getting it, like a can of Coke. Yeah. Oh, that feels good. Or a beer after work. Oh, that feels good. Or I just want to bet. Yeah, I feel like I'm not a loser for a moment. You know, like <laughs> it's just the same where, where our the part of us that's chasing those highs is actually a really cool part of us that knows to go towards the reward centre. But we just don't realise we've been drawn into a world that doesn't reward you ultimately um, unless you actually get out of that mode and go, oh, no, I'm not going to play in this world the way it is. I'm going to become my own person on my own time, dance to the beat of my own drum and then look after the people around me and, you know, be reasonable and respectable to all people and not, not um, you know, favour any more than others. Just start to become what a, a natural young human being would be and that is, oh, I see everybody and love everybody, you know. And when we do that, we start to be naturally more living in the reward centre of the moment and of the relationships and the surprising conversation I just had. And I think there was a, a strange serendipitous, you know, circumstance that just happened there. I, I was just thought of you and I bumped into you and it yes. feeds the reward centre and validates that, ah, oh, life can be magical if I get out of this fight or flight and this rush and busyness. So it's kind of a long-winded summary but also a short summary, isn't it, really, for the fact that our whole life is summarised in those few sentences to say that there is so much to be gained from at first slowing down and if need be slowing right down till we stop you know, and then just being the observer. Uh, and once I know what to do, I move forward again. And, and Deepak Chopra has a wonderful um, acronym called STOP and it's S-T-O-P and it's whenever we get in stress or whatever and the S stands for stop. Um, the T stands for take three breaths. I've changed it to take three conscious breaths, you know, where you really breathe and concentrate and let go or take as many breaths as you want, but just take some breaths and some conscious ones. Um, once we feel a little bit of state, a change of state inside of us when we breathe deeper into the diaphragm and we tell our body, no, I'm not in fight or flight, I can relax and change systems, then we open, I always open back up to the situation that was stressing us from a new place or new thinking or a new level of being and then P stands for proceed. So it's just stop take three breaths, open back up and proceed. And it's like that in itself is the simple, most, simplest, most powerful little acronym to go, right, that's what I need to do. And the final thing I'd say on it as is that the trouble is, though, when we're in this rush, 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 but it's so subtly intrusive in our lives, 
in that thinking of the next moment's going to feed me or the next, you know, um, girl I get with or the next, you know, dollar I earn or the next job that I uh, complete or the next game that I win or whatever it is, next bet that I win, next drug that I take or beer that I have is going to be the one that makes me feel better. Mm. What happens in that thinking of always, always, always the next thing is that from that thinking, we don't recognise that we have to stop because that thinking very much makes us think that we have to move forward because by it being the next, I can't be here, I've got to be there. I've got to be somewhere else all the time and that's the problem is that we don't, it's funny to say, oh, just stop, take three breaths, open up and proceed. And it's like we wouldn't even think to do that because when we're in that mode, that thinking is almost not possible unless we actually intervene in our own automatic thinking and say, hang on, I've been here before. Mm. Ah, it's telling me it's going to work if I keep going, but I've got that feeling like I'm drained and I'm, it's not working and I'm all anxious or I'm about to fight with someone. Hang on. This is where I've got to explore that other thing. What was it? Stop. Uh, take a few breaths or take some time out or take a week off to take whatever you need to open back up and then proceed, you know, and that's the crazy thing is so once again, like we said at the start, you have to actually change your level of thinking to go into that new mode of being and then when you get in that mode of being, being by the way, that's when high performance goes through the roof. That's what you've seen from Richmond Footy Club for a few years. Mm. What you saw from Melbourne Footy Club last year, really getting into that. I've really been noticing it, seeing it in Collingwood Footy Club this year. Young crew that shouldn't be anywhere near it, flying through the ranks, won 11 in a row and um, 14 in the last 16 or whatever it is. And, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy because they're not worried about where they're getting to. They're playing the game in the moment. They're loving being with each other and they're exploring the capabilities of what it means to be, God, I'm just backing you no matter what, rather than I'm only backing you if you get the ball to me cleanly or if you win <laughs> the game for us. It's like, no, I love you no matter what, all week. Every time I see you, I smile and happy to see you. And for some reason, when I do that to you, you're playing better football. It's, like it's, not, it's not rocket science. And, you know, the old modality of, I'll yell at you and then you'll give me more is probably very rarely, um, if ever, going to work again because the world's changing and we're like, no, it's all about actually believing in who you are, what you're capable of, that I'll be okay if I just slow down and connect with who I really am and go about it the way that it feels right in my spirit where I feel a reward right now not in the future because I'm seeing it, playing it and feeling it differently. And that's by letting go of the idea that something outside of myself or something outside of this moment is going to fix me. So not just be here as best I can, even if I have to forgive myself, let go, drop all that other grudge that I'm holding, you know, take a bit of time out, just be myself without the need to perform. Mm, amazing. Mate, 100% on, on the money and that, that that's that's the truth. That's what you know, everything's trying to teach us, isn't it? You know, we're just getting, we're just getting away from it. And um, what's yeah, happened? It's, it's funny. It's become normal. It's not natural. Yeah, that's to right. do what we're doing. Yeah, but it's become normal. So we say, oh, it's not natural for me to slow down. No, it is natural for you. That's it's in your nature, deep down in there. But, but we've got so fast for so long, it doesn't mm. feel normal anymore. Yeah, oh, you know, man. so normal and natural are two different things. It's natural to your spirit to know what peace feels like. Yeah. It's not normal for your head to know what peace feels like. Oh, mate, look, 
I've talked about this time and time again, like being able to teach yin yoga, and this is before I really understood yin and yang, you know, fundamentally, but I, I needed to learn yin yoga, yoga to, to, to teach myself to slow the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I've taught it to professional athletes, to prisoners, like in, in maximum security prison, um, you know, to, to, to school kids, to, you know, uh, professional athletes, as I said, politicians, and just every man and, um, you know, woman on the street, mate, once you actually show people how to slow down and reconnect again, they get back to that, that exactly what you said, this nature which is, which is there, you know, within us all. Uh, and it's beautiful to actually see that happen. And that's why, you know, I, I understood within myself, hang on, there's so much more than your busy mind's telling you. And uh, there's so much more than uh, the achievement or getting that thing or, you know, um, uh, you know, getting getting a goal. Because once usually you find a goal, then you, 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 you sort of like chase something else and you're on this never-ending hamster wheel, aren't you? But, um, uh, oh. you, you know, this, this beautiful peace and frequency um, is there within all of us, you know. If you can see a guy that's highly agitated, de-escalate and get back to neutral again, that's one of the most rewarding things, you know, and I just believe when we talk about mental health, um, you know, good mental health is available to us all. We've just been so distracted, particularly over the last few years, but over the last few decades with, uh, you know, getting in touch with our, our truth and our true nature. Uh, and, and let's, you know, be clear that certain people listening and certain people in the world have different levels of, of dramatic problems to deal with, right? Yeah. From no, no food on the table to no place to live to yeah. to no job security to no health or ability to use my body properly or because I've been through injury or something else. So there's a real extremes that we get into and there's like, you know, there's, a, there's the more, oh, I just can't get out of my own way and I've got all the capabilities but I'm just, you know, going around around circles or whatever it may be. But there's an old saying, the universe never gives you a problem that you can't handle and also the universe never gives you a problem without hiding a solution within it and so some people yes have to come from a deeper darker more challenging place but that doesn't mean it's harder it just means it's going to teach them more you know yes it will be harder in a sense but it's going to teach them more and if they're in that situation they must be capable of getting out of because there's always a solution hidden within the drama or the the problem we've got whether it's I've lost a leg or whatever it may be. It's, it's the stories about people coming back and saying what I learned from this tragedy yeah. on the, on, in hindsight is always the most inspiring, powerful thing. So if we can pre-think that any of my problems are opportunities, that's a, a really great start. But the other thing is because we've been got into this subtle society mindset and we've been forced into this competition and lack of resources that we've all got to try and corner our little section of the market in some way, shape or form, um, there's a lot of I in it. All of our thoughts are, I have to, I need to, I'm going to, if I don't, if this happens, I won't be able to. It's I, I, I. And so that I is training us to think separately. It's subconsciously there. We don't even hear ourselves saying it. But what we're basically doing, if all day, if I went to the gym and did bicep curls, my bicep's going to get stronger. But if all day I had to pick up a certain thing off the ground and put it up on the bench all day, I turn around, I'm going to have a strong bicep as well. I wasn't trying to get it strong, but by the action of something else that I was doing, um, I end up with a strong bicep from doing it. And it's the same with your thinking. So if we're thinking all day, sub, subliminally, subconsciously, I have to, if I don't, when I, if I, if I, 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 mm. what happens is we're training ourselves to be separate. We're training ourselves to think that it all comes back down to me. And in a positive, wonderful way, it also does because we can change it. But when we're in the I, 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 
we cut ourselves off subliminally, subconsciously, psychic, you know, psychologically, um, and even our vision, our sight is in a way, it's in that stressed state and we've got narrow band of view and we can't even see the opportunities right in front of us or the opportunity that sits in the person that we've slowed down and talked to, they could offer us a solution or a hand or whatever. Because we're in this I place, we actually get a very big um, separation bicep. You know, we're separate from everything that could help us. And so the key thing is to start to allow the possibility that, oh, a lot of people seem to be going through the same things as me, really. I can listen to a podcast or a story and I go, oh, I can relate to that. So none of my problems are really unique to me. None of my, even some of my greatest attributes. Actually, other people have got similar ones to greater or lesser degrees. So it's not about being different. It's about actually starting to go, in, in a lot of ways, it's about actually starting to go, I'm like a lot of other people. In fact, I could probably work with those people or they could help me or we could learn from each other. And that thinking, even though it just relates to people, it's, it changes the muscle in the mind instead of being separate from everything, to be open to everything. And what happens is often the solution doesn't just come through other people. It comes from other sources like an intuition. Ah, oh, I've got a feeling. Or an article just pops in front of us. Or something on our YouTube feed. Or something just magically happens. And if we've trained this new muscle, which is the we muscle, that we're in this together we actually start to see things more like, oh, I can see all of the sum of the parts. I can see all the different pieces that are at play here rather than just have the shits about my little piece that's not working. And that in itself is an old saying, um, a problem shared is a problem halved. Well, imagine opening yourself up that the whole world's going through similar stuff to you, just different names, dates and places and extremities. All of a sudden, you're sharing the problem with the whole world. You're not taking it personally. You're not making yourself out to be something special in the positive or the negative. You're making yourself out to be something special in the form of I'm connected to something very special, which is this world mm -hmm. that's actually, wow, it's a collective experience. Yes. We're all co-creating these, ex these experiences. And, and, oh, I might be not allowed to go there because, you know, I didn't do this. You know, and, and a classic example for me was I didn't get the jab. And so because of that, I wasn't allowed in this restaurant or that place at a certain period of time, wasn't allowed to do this and that. Then I found I wasn't allowed to go to that doctor. And then I'd come across it. I wasn't, I wasn't against anyone who did or didn't. I just had a, a personal choice to make and I made it for whatever reason. But it was a really powerful learning that all of a sudden a whole world of people opened up to me that were like, oh, we're the same and da da da. And oh, I can, you can come and see me for your doctor's appointment. Or, you know, come and see, da da da. You know, I'll see you in the car park because you're not letting <laughs> us, you know. Like, it's amazing. Right, there's this set of rules that you can only participate in the family if you operate this way, in the school if you operate that way, in the society if you operate this way, and those rules force you to be somewhat separate. And there's good and bad people and, you know, and there's us and there's them and there's divide and conquer and it's actually, hang on a second, aren't we all the same? Aren't we all pretty much similar, you know? And, you know, that arsehole over there has been a real dick, you know, he's been a real dick, but have I done stuff like that before? Yeah, I have. And do I do it anymore? No. But does that make me any better? No. <laughs> you know, I understand what they're doing. And so you take away this I and you start to build a, what we are going through. And then it's crazy because it's like the I wants to be, to prove that it's, it's strong enough and capable enough of getting through things. It wants to, I have to prove myself and I, we build this muscle. But actually the funniest way to get through things is to let go of the I and not have the ego of I got through it. It's like, oh, I got through it when I let other people into my life and I opened back up again and I, I let go of these boundaries and barriers that I've, you know, uh, conditionally, sorry, conditioned myself unknowingly 
um, into this corner where I've, I've got to prove myself. And so the, the world's a magical, magical place or a terrible hell, mm. you know, and somewhere in between. Um, and really it depends on whether or not we see ourselves as connected to everybody else and similar or like-like or whether we begin to judge and feel we're above and below. Because you can judge someone as great and put yourself below them and you can judge someone as poor and put yourself above them. Mm. But either way, you're just as trapped, oh. you know, and that you're, just, you're stuck in your own modality of who you think you are and then you're cut off from the rest of the world and the magic of what can come to you when you let go of this idea that you've got to be someone special. <laughs> Mate, like, let's be honest, like, a lot of that, that behaviour is by design. A lot of that was, yes. um, you know, yes. programmed for us uh, from an early age all the way through. So it's pretty hard to actually uh, disconnect from that in, in many ways. But, you know, there's this universal truth, as we discussed, which is beyond uh, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's make-believe, you know, and really that's what it is. It's, uh, we've been made-believe things uh, which aren't really, uh, you know, in the currency of the flow of uh, the law of uh, the, the earth and the universe, you know. So it's a psychologically constructed reality that creates a, a whole separate thing where we're operating not at our highest point and our highest capabilities. We're separate from each other and we're in competition. And, and at the end of the day, it's like we're missing out on the whole point is we're here together and we can pull off anything if we recognise that the magic is in each other, in, in ourselves, if we just let go of this need to be separate, need to be something special. Mate, um, I know you know Stuart Diver pretty well. Now, a lot of people yeah. listening to this probably don't remember or may not be aware of Stuart Diver, but uh, back in the 80s or 90s, probably the 90s, um, there was a, a landslide at Threadbow, which is a ski resort in New South Wales, and Stuart was in a house and uh, the, the house collapsed around him. Now... People died in that uh, landslide, but Stuart survived. I think he was trapped for a few days, maybe three or four days. Can you give us your observation around that individual and what actually um, he did to keep himself, you know, in that parasympathetic mode, which probably saved his life? Yes, well, you know, the, the story's not that fresh in my mind, but what's interesting, I'll, I'll give you a couple of things. Is one, one that he did was he, he, I know he talked himself into staying in the moment, like one moment at a time, and he held hope and continued to breathe and do, you know, very simple things. Um, had people that he was focused on that he, you know, reasons and motivations to get out of that situation and um, didn't spend all his energy trying to get out of it when he couldn't, you know, conserved his energy and all that sort of stuff. And it was amazing that, that he ended up, you know, getting reached and, and rescued when people didn't even know he was there for a long time. But what's fascinating about Stuart is that, um, and I, I actually tried to connect with him recently when I was back down in Threadbow, um, was lucky enough to get away to the snow for a few days after many years away, and um, and I well, I missed him and didn't get a chance to connect. But I actually connected with a lot of his staff, mm. his um, GM down there at Threadbow. And what's fascinating about the story is if you go, there's a gentleman, a guy that was down there, great skier and snow person and everything, got caught in this situation, became a hero to Australians and very inspiring and tells a very inspiring story. But that, you know, that universe never gives you something you can't handle. This, that spirit, that man, he got given that situation and he handled it. He, he got through it. But what's crazy about that is that, that tells you a lot about who he is beyond just the character of him, but who he is as, as a spirit, as a being, you know. Mm. And when I was speaking to the staff and people that, I, you know, I ski with a few of them and people that work very closely with him and everything, and he came up in conversations a few times and their eyes would have a glint in it when they spoke about him. Mm. They would talk about this man, about how inspiring it was to work with, you know, such a warm, 
way that that it was like oh wow he's gone on to be a very special human in society making a difference to a product being threadbow and community being threadbow that affects tens of thousands of people every year you know um in in the way they go about things and so you look at the bigger picture of all that and you go what an incredible man what an incredible human what an incredible spirit what an incredible heart but the reflection of of him being true and being grateful and knowing that to make every opportunity count from now on the way that is reflected in the staff and the people and the experience you have when you're down there is just unbelievable it's a felt thing you can actually feel the effect of one man and the way he leads leads that group so i think that's a great thing to reflect on for all people is that you think in your challenge you think of in two ways normally one is i'm in it and number two is how do i get out of it mm. and if you could actually think what's the opportunity within it where's it going to take me what's it going to teach me like what's where's this a blessing in a strange disguise um, while you're in the middle of it it automatically creates a healing because it opens you up to see not the fight or flight but the rest and recovery rest and repair and so i just did a talk um and we shared the stage with a few different people uh, three nights ago. And one of them was Mark Matthews, and a, a beautiful soul, human, great surfer, hard-ass Yang, you know, best big wave rider in the world for a while there, rode the biggest slabs and, you know, the right and ship sterns and went crazy places. And then he finally got to the point where he invested all of his money back into um, surfing the biggest waves he could, and he got so good and so well-renowned for it that he got picked up by Red Bull on a really healthy contract. Like, yes, here I go, three-year deal, going to be able to go for it. I've got all the resources to help me get even stronger and I can actually put some money away now for my family. And, you know, he's like, he's made it, he's made it. And then at a fairly innocuous wave and a fairly innocuous moment, but pretty pretty solid, the wave's called Killers, um, he got slammed onto the reef at first, ruptured all of his knee completely, only one tiny bit of tendon holding it together. The nerves just completely ruptured and busted through his knee. Um can't remember any of it, uh, all vertebrae in his back and all sorts of stuff. He can't remember any of it except waking up in Canberra Hospital the, the next day. Mm. And doctor said to him, you've got airlifted, um, you know, which got you here early enough. If you're an hour later, we would have had to amputate your leg. Mm. And so literally, um, and I don't want to, you know, tell Mark Matthews' story too long for him because he can tell it himself, but I'll summarise it in saying, because it's so inspiring that, that literally um, the two ambulance officers, one insisted that they get airlifted, they airlift him, and the other one said, no, no, we'll drive him to Canberra, and that no, insisted. So that decision of one ambulance officer against his partner's advice saved his leg. Mm. Then he's in a situation where a few days later his leg is infected and things aren't going right and he's hating life and he's looking at his stupid leg and I'm never going to be able to surf again. You should have just cut it off, like, in a really dark place. Just can't look at it. Angry, angry, angry with the world. Mm. He gets a message from a young guy, Jason, I think it was, who is a you know an Insta like an Instagram message or something like that, and it says, "Hey, I'm in the same hospital. I followed you for a long, long time. But you mind if I come up and see you and just grab a photo?" And he put the phone down like, "I don't want to see anybody." And you know, and his wife picked up the phone and saw the message without him knowing it and replied like it was him saying, "Yeah, that'd be cool. Come on up and we'll sneak a few beers in and whatever else." And, so literally that afternoon, Mark hating the world, sitting there and Jason gets wheeled in. And Jason's um, in a wheelchair, quadriplegic, from a snowboarding accident, from an innocuous snowboarding accident hitting his head. 
and he walks over and when he offers, like tries to half lift his hand out to shake Mark's hand, Mark shakes it and in that moment his whole life changes because in a somewhat selfish way he says to himself, oh, my God, I could could have been like that. If I land on the reef, not on my leg, but on my head, I could have been like that. That this young guy would give anything to be in my my with my injury than the injury he's got, and it just changed his perspective completely. And whilst it came through that, thank God I'm I'm lucky. I'm the lucky one here. It also gave him an immense and huge respect for the the courage of this young guy, Jason, which also changed him as well. And so what happened was, he then straight away saw how lucky he was how fortunate he was, how he was one of the lucky ones in that ward or in, you know, and it literally it changed his psychology. He went from fight or flight into rest and recovery, rest and repair, rest and restore. And the doctors were coming in from that moment on. Or they, were gonna, they, they thought they might have to amputate his leg again because of the, it just wouldn't heal. It was getting really badly infected in spots. And literally from that moment, from the next day, the doctors are coming in and they're saying to him within a couple of days, if you've got some herbal cream you're rubbing in it, you're not telling us because it's completely changed. So it took him down the path of exploring the science of gratitude and the power of this. And, you know, taking a Stuart Diver example or a Mark Matthews example and many, many countless other people around the world and even ourselves in small moments where relationship breakup or financial catastrophe or, you know, I've got injured or accident or kids got sick or whatever it may be, is that these things happen to you And they might take away one thing, but they usually take away something you think you need that you don't need as much as what it's about to give you, which could be gratitude. So my leg never fully operates permanently again, but that's worth less to me than the gratitude I've now got to actually know that I can do anything. I'm thankful I live every moment fully, you know. And so I... Hats off to Mark Matthews. Um, we've been connected for a while, never spending time together. Different friends gravitate around each other. And I finally got time to sit and listen. I just had tears in my eyes, not just at, at um, the story, but the magic of watching this guy become all that he can be. Oh, no, he's lost capable capability in his leg. No, he's actually become the man that he really can be because of that leg. And that just makes it just makes the world a difference for me to sit opposite him and experience that and see that. And so that's the that's the changing in perception a lot of us need about the things that we're complaining about or we're worried about or we're hurt about or we're you know all bitchy about or whatever and moaning about and all this sort of stuff. It's different levels of justifiable anxiety and just ridiculous, you know, like complaining, whinging, moaning, first world problems. There's different levels of it, but no matter what it is. Actually, life is still affording us an opportunity hidden within the situation to say, I've got something bigger for you if you let go and op- let, let go of what you think you need and open up to what this situation's giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that place, magic can happen. And so I've, in two weeks period, I've seen the impact of Stuart Diver and the impact of Mark Matthews from both two quite tragic things. And I've just gone is tragedy really a tragedy or is tragedy an opportunity, you know? And it, it's a tragedy, it's terrible, it's traumatic, it's horrible, no one wants it. So let's get our lessons before we need it. Let's don't wait for the tragedy to get the lesson, you know? Um, but the way we are, we tend to we get onto a good thing, we just want to keep going with it, even if we start getting accused, don't keep doing that, you're going to get hurt, don't keep doing that, and we, we just keep going because that's human nature, we're a bit like, we're a bit stubborn. And my old spiritual teacher used to say, the universe will give you a tap, and if you ignore it, 
it'll give you a whack. And if you ignore that, you'll get hit by a Mack truck. That's right. And then one way or another, you're going to get the lesson. A cancer diagnosis, uh, and a bad injury, a sickness to someone we love, a financial collapse. And, you know, it's funny when I talk about it as because, you, you know, you and I have grown close over this journey and sharing these things with each other and haven't got time to spend, haven't had time yet to spend physically, but we will. We'll do events together and everything. Mm. But even when I share this with you in the moment, I feel emotional when I say it. I feel the sense of life's not what we think it is, you know. It's not a series of catastrophes to be avoided. It's a series of wonders to be opened up to, you know, and they hide within disaster. And um, negative's not everything that it seems to be because sometimes the negative is exactly what we need. Um, in hindsight, we look back and go, God, I would never have met this amazing woman if I didn't go through that horrendous breakup or I would never have met this incredible person that is now my business partner do amazing thing, things wherever I wasn't sacked from that other job, mm. you know. And so if we can allow the possibility as we go through life that everything's happening for us and for a purpose, then we can meet those challenges that we have and we can open up to them and get the magic out of them now rather than in the future when I finish fighting and cause more problems for myself and, and then look back and go, oh, it was a good thing, you know. Right? Save all the heartache. Most of the heartache doesn't come from the situation but from the way we've responded or reacted to it. 100%, mate. Really, really well said again. And, you know, everything is, is happening for a reason. I, I know when adversity appears, there's a, there's a message in that. So I'm sitting here talking to you. In front of me is an infringement notice uh, for speeding for 123 kilometres in a 100 zone, four demerit points, $650 fine. I got that last Thursday about this time driving back from Gladstone. And wow. um, all I was doing, uh, there was there was a caravan slow, and I went I went to overtake the caravan legally. Um, I could see some cars coming in a distance, and uh, I put the foot down to make sure I was clear. And anyway, next minute lights uh, appear on the car coming towards me. Okay, surrender. So I just pulled over, surrendered. The woman come back. The woman, you know, uh, do you know what you're doing? Yes, I do. Yes, yeah, such and such. I'm really disappointed with myself. Um, these are the reasons why I was doing it. You know, I shouldn't listen to any of that. That's okay. But in that moment, I realised, right, what is in this for me? What is the message here? Mm. And in that message was I was distracted and uh, I, I basically was talking to a mate on the phone and I wasn't present. And, uh, you know, that's the whack uh, that I needed or the tap mm -hmm. that I needed before the truck come. And, uh, you know, primarily from that moment, I said, I'm not having my phone in the car with me. I'm not having any distractions in the car with me. I'm going to try and be more engaged with what I'm doing in that present moment. So that's exactly what um, uh, I took from it. And, um, you know, although I, I'm going to have consequences come from that financially uh, and also, you know, with, with my access to, to move around, at the end of the day, the lesson in that is so much greater uh, than being pissed off about it and, uh, and angry about it and all those sorts of things. And don't worry, that night those emotions come up, but, you know, I was able to observe it to actually see, you know, what is the lesson in, in this for me. And, you know, Mark Matthews, uh, for an example, uh, you know, was angry, obviously, and, uh, and when, he, when he learned that there, there was a, a truth and a lesson behind it all, and that guy appeared for a reason, mate. They're, they're these things, the universe is giving us these opportunities consistently, 
without us even sort of being aware of it and knowing it. So that guy was in that hospital for that, um, for that particular moment, I've, I've got no doubt. You know, these things come together fluently once we get out of the road and sort of let them happen. So, so yeah, so when you're getting out of alignment like I was, I was busy and I was distracted and this is the kick in the ass that I needed. So I need to say thank you for that. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be other, other things uh, pop into my life um, uh, as I move forward that'll give me that whack. But... Primarily, if you can actually see for what it is and uh, and go into your rest and digest rather than your anger and your uh, anxiety, then all of a sudden that's where we can get into our our truth and our, our potential as humans. Would you agree? Oh, mate, you just said a word. You know, truth. You know, true. Truth is is different for different people. Depend on the lens that we're looking through. It is true that you did that to me, or you did say that to me, and whatever. And we can change words in our mind, and everything. But when you take the word truth all the way through to its to its truth is this idea that we're beginning to recognize that something's happening for me so we're opening ourselves up to the idea that so that the saying is the victim says it happened to me and the master says it happened for me mm-hmm. and so when we open ourselves up to the idea that it's happening for me um it, we're going closer to this truth that everything's connected and everything's law of attraction and i'm not a victim i am creating my own circumstances by the way i show up in the world and if I'm a little on the take over there, but I'm all looking nice and shiny over and bright over here and looking good in everyone's eyes, then I'll eventually get a tap, a whack, or a Mack truck um, to say, "Hey, come on, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not fully in integrity here. You're you're out of whack. You're not in your full truth, and you're getting away with a little bit on the side or whatever it is that you're doing." And that can include holding grudges on people and just running a bit of a story in the back of our mind that it's their fault and he never understood me or she did this to me or, you know, we carry these things forward, we tell everyone else, get a few other people to agree with us and blah, blah, And we're just locking ourselves into this reality where at some level on the scale of full truth to full distortion, notice I don't say full lie because it's just a distortion, Mm. Um, what happens is that we're locked in that that somewhere on that level of scale and if we're locked on the untruth or the distortion that everything else is someone else's fault you know my current misery is because what someone else did to me well at a at a higher level we begin to understand no my current misery is because i haven't let go of the thought about what happened to me Mm. or that i want the other person to pay and suffer as much as i have and i hold that in spite of me instead of holding forgiveness or holding allowance that i'm learning something i'm holding hatred or, or rot inside of me and so the law of attraction begins to take play where energetically what what oh, i'm such a good person over here but i still hate my ex for doing that to me <laughs> you know well you can never move beyond that hatred that you hold on to no matter how many good things you do you'll fall back to the default setting which is where i'm still energetically on the take because i'm still taking everyone for a ride and getting to believe in my story i had no part in what he did to me or she did to me or they did to me it's like no the universe says it all happened even if it was like out of the blue it still afforded us the opportunity to learn something great from it or to fall in a giant blamey victim hole and and the whole world caves in on top of us while we blame everybody and end up on benefits and whatever else nothing wrong with benefits by the way but there's certain people that are using them just to stay in the same place and mm-hmm. and they'll never ever get off them you know because it's like it's all about locking myself in to get the easy street and easy ride and you all agree with me you know, so we build up a self based on how much responsibility we're taking or how much responsibility we're shirking. And our life is created by that self that we build up. So everything we do is filtered through that self 
And if that self's got a lot of blame in it, we'll end up with a lot of people screwing us over. Oh. And if that self's got a lot of, you know, willingness and hope and trying and everything else, and, and even if it's a bit innocent and naive, we'll get many opportunities afforded to us. But if we keep getting thumped, oh, hang on, I have to learn forgiveness as well. Oh, and then all of a sudden we break through or whatever it might be. But it's always um, reflecting back an opportunity to let go of something. And then when we realise what that something is, that's when the feeling of truth comes in. Ah, oh, the truth is I was being a real wanker and I needed a bit of a clip over you know, or whatever it is. Or the truth is that I had paid no attention to my finances for a long time and I had a habit of blaming people and they didn't do the right thing by me. So I've ended up bankrupt and I've blamed the accountant, you know, and that was my story. I actually had that, you know, but I was able to see it pretty quick and go, oh, I was actually, I had no care for money or flow or exchange. I just was get it and spend it and do whatever. And I was like, oh, how did you end up bankrupt? Well, the level of energy I put into finances or care, I'm not talking about money and, and, and valuing money. I'm talking about valuing the way money is created, which is the exchange between two people, you know, or two entities. And it's like, oh, value that and money will keep coming your way. You value money. And if, if it comes your way, you'll find yourself tight and a bit cranky um, and, and a bit like, you know, kind of um, flamboyant with it and create a bit of an ego or um, you'll, you'll find yourself finding it hard to get. But if you value the exchange that people have between them that, oh, in some instances creates money or creates the exchange of goods, value that and you find yourself abundant in life fully. Yes. You know, so all these different things, it's like how you see it, how you approach it, and that's where truth comes about. It's like the truth, there's the old saying, it's a religious saying, I'm not religious, um, but I, I love some of the, you know, the things that Christ said and Buddha said and different people have said along the way that were evolved and, and opening up and, you know, whatever level you want to say that they were saints and mystics and everything else that... Um, one of the Christ sayings was, it was actually know ye the truth and the truth shall make ye free, was the way it should have been interpreted from Latin. Um, but um, I think it was Latin, but anyway, what or Hebrew. But what it was, um, it, what we say is know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yes. You know, and so what that means is when you suddenly realise the truth behind a situation, um, if it's the truth, you will feel freer and lighter and more able to deal with the situation. Ah, oh, the truth is she screwed me or he screwed me or this happened. You know, uh, make me feel good uh, temporarily because I've shirked responsibility, but actually it didn't set me free. It blocked me and held me in. Oh, the truth was I needed that to happen because I, there's a lot of relationships I didn't take responsibility for and I just expected that people should start up a certain way and I think I might have picked that up from mum along the way and it seemed good to me and <laughs> I've done that. Oh, you know, and so... There's always these layers of truth, but when you recognise them, it sets you free because you realise that, hang on, the truth is not that I'm a victim and someone did that to me. The truth is normally closer to, wow, what an amazing lesson. And, and at the end of all of it, thank God it happened because otherwise I would have gone on being ignorant or arrogant or whatever else I would have been if I didn't get a kick in the ass. Yes, absolutely, mate. And, uh, you know, look, you know, the journey and, and not so much getting excited about the journey, but just sort of seeing what's what's before you and, and being able to embrace and, and, and see the gifts and everything that's actually happening around you, you know. So uh, you out on that, uh, on that paddle um, kayak this morning, like trying to catch a fish, you got rolled over a few times and, 
um, you know, that wasn't going the way that you, uh, you know, wanted it to go possibly, but you actually embraced it. You didn't get upset or angry. You just sort of, <laughs> you just sort of went with the, um, with the, with the frequency which was getting thrown at you. And, you know, this is where I suppose a lot of the listeners can, can take away from this, you know, some, some real, uh, important ideas is, uh, you know, when things aren't going your way, uh, what actually good is coming from it? Is that making you stronger or weaker? I think if you become angry and, and anxious and upset, then that's actually, you know, you're disempowering yourself. Would you agree? Oh, it's, it's everything. You either tap into the whole of life that can help you or you tap into the whole of hell that wants to continue to, to enjoy the misery that you're in. Mm. You know, it's, it depends on which way you approach it. You know, using that fishing as an analogy, I pictured myself walking down there because I'd caught some great flathead off these banks and it was higher tide and it's hard, you can't cast out to them. I pictured myself walking down on this beautiful glassy morning, paddling out to that corner, tossing a lure around, pulling a big, you know, 80 centimetre flathead and letting that go, pulling in a couple of 50 centimetres and throwing them in the bag for feed the family and, you know, cruising around and with great success, you know, and feeling the tug of the pull on the, the line. Everything I pictured... Um, only very few things of those happened. Like, for example, I did walk down there and the water was nice, you know. Um, but by the time I got rolled over, I didn't picture myself rolling over or I pictured myself sitting up nice and straight. It happened twice. And, and then I had to, I thought, because of that, I paddled right at the back when I went to change lures so I was away from the waves. Because I paddled at the back, I got the exercise that I needed. And then I was floating in the deeper water. I suddenly had the peace, the, the peace that I needed. I was like oh, I feel at peace out here. Mm. I was like, oh, so what I wanted was flathead. Yeah. What I got, what I got was peace and exercise, Yeah. you know, and a, a sense of change of perception. So literally when I came in and the lady said, did we're you successful, <laughs> you know, did you succeed? And I was like, yes, I did, you know, yes, yes, I was. Um, and, oh, what'd you catch? No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, because know. I got what I, I got what I needed, not what I wanted. And um, But I was because I was able to recognise it's what I actually needed, um, I was like, the truth set me free. I was like, oh, God, this is fun. I could do this way more times and just enjoy the exercise. If you caught a fish, it would be a bonus. And, and what an amazing way, it's a fishing story, but what an amazing way, amazing way to approach life. Oh, I, I, I need the social exercise or the you know, the professional exercise in a business or whatever, and oh, if I catch a fish, that's great, you know. Um, it's, it's just this idea that embrace life and the opportunities, and it's amazing how many more feeds you get when you live that way. And I've noticed that lately I've been fishing, and when I'm just totally standing there chilling, going, God, this is cool, I normally go, whack, and I get this bite, I go, oh, pull a fish in. Yeah. And I go, oh, I'm so grateful for you, fish, you know. I'm so, so incredibly grateful that I've got this, and the sun's on my face, and my water, my feet's in the water, and then I'll cast it, oh, whack, another one, you know. And it's like when I travelled all the way through Northern Territory and Western Australia a few months ago chasing Barramundi, you know, got a few small ones and then I think I got in my mind for a few moments, oh, I just need a big one. I just want to get one that I can keep, mm. you know. So the little ones that I've got that we got weren't good enough, you know. And then so when something's not good enough, you know, what you focus on grows. I, I didn't get any barra for the rest of the trip, you know. Yeah, you it's go. like, ah, oh, I get it now. It's like... Just enjoy being out there and walking in these amazing sections of river and casting a line under a beautiful pandanus tree and just love the opportunity, forget about the fish, and uh, and the fish will come. And I came home, got that lesson, and it's been happening ever since. Mate, um, we're going to run out of time soon. We're going to touch on a couple of really important things as before we do. Um, what you're saying there is these are the indoctrinated um, belief systems that we've been brought um, bought, bought, you know, or, or sort of programmed down, but 
But, you know, that reward, that chasing that reward is actually like working against our power and, and, our, and our fluency yes. and our currently, currency, you know. So you're, you're going out with the mindset of getting something. If we're going in, into life with the mindset of getting something, then I think we're actually like we lose. But if you go in there of just being open and, and, and allowing what comes, that's what life's trying to teach us, you know. And uh, the other thing I was going to add I live on five acres here now and I'm just getting amazed by by nature and, and reconnected again. But yesterday morning I did a yang workout and then I sat in meditation and I have the, the, the roller door open and I'm just out, uh, you know, out looking into nature and there's things going around me all the time. I have my eyes shut. Next minute I, I hear this grunting and I thought, what the fuck's that? And I open my eyes and there's two huge male kangaroos, uh, you know, 10 metres away from me. <laughs> You know, and they're, yeah. they're both standing shoulder to shoulder looking at me like this. And I just yeah. I just looked at them and nodded. And they basically just looked at me for probably a minute, I reckon. We just like eyeballed each other. And then they bounced off. You know, two big male kangaroos. So so, so there is a, an energetic exchange, you know, lesson in, in that for me to know uh, that there's so much more than, um, the, the, than what we're perceiving in life. You know, these... These animals and everything else around us is working with the frequency and the flow of life, you know. They're just going about their business. They haven't got any ideas about going out and eating that grass or, uh, you know, wanting to get something. They're just going where the energy is actually taking them. And they obviously sense something in me that they, they needed to connect with me. And, um, you know, I, I just think we, we need to honour and, and admire, um, you know, uh, these situations which are popping up in life, which, um, you know, Mark Matthews did and Stuart Diver did and you're consistently doing, you know. You've been able to sort of pick a, a part, or not so much forcefully pick a part, but be aware of um, the situation that was before you this morning. And the, the lady on the beach, um, that was the lesson to say, did you succeed? Well, yes, you actually did because you didn't come away with the reward. You actually come away with um, that, 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 that balance again, which I think uh, is available to us all, you know. Uh, 100% and, and you know the child in us the, the small innocent child that's connected to nature says of course the animals came you know and in in most of us the adult says what do you mean the animals followed us you know <laughs> yeah because we've lost that connection it's like the Peter Pan thing I do believe in fact magic you know uh, it's we've lost that magic and that connection and if you if you don't believe it anymore it doesn't it doesn't come to you it can't show and even if it does you can't embrace it because you didn't see it yeah. magic happens right in front of your eyes and you don't see it you just explain it away as coincidence which actually means it's a coincidence it's meant to occur yeah but um but it's, it's kind of crazy in that, that um, when we do open ourselves back up, life starts to come in and it's many different forms and and we start to have all these wins and, and victories and everything that are different to the ones that we had before where we feel like we're conquering things. It feels like an overcoming. And I, you said something earlier in that, that statement there was like around um, getting. We want to get from life. But a really simple way of changing it in our mind is it's okay to get, but actually we need to shift it to receive. Mm. You know, it's we it's really beautiful to receive from life. So, what what's the opposite of receiving? Or in the in the, the nice yin yang flow is giving. You know, we give and we receive. We give and we receive. If we stop giving, we'll stop receiving. But in some ways, if we stop receiving, we stop giving, and we start just wanting to get. Yep. You know, and we then we go into expectation, and so giving and receiving are a beautiful flow like that. That sideways eight symbol, the infinity symbol, just giving and receiving, giving and receiving, just feeds the thing. But the idea of calling it receiving is that straight away you open up to the the magic of the word receive, 
oh, receive, it's actually coming to me. I'm not getting it for what I did. I'm receiving it, it's coming to me. So there's some sort of a gift in it, there's a blessing. By, by virtue of something magical, I've received this money. You know, So we go, yeah, well, I did the job and I received money for it. Well, I did the job, but wow, how's the way that person had that job for me in the first place and how I got these skills and they had this thing and this and, you know, when you really start to go behind it, you go, life's quite a miracle when you look at the way we all exchange with each other and have different abilities and skills and they come to the fore and we create houses for each other and cars and electronics and, you know, soaps and sugars and, you know, um, uh, milk and whatever it is. We fix things, we give advice, we, you know, all this different stuff that we all have as skills and, and abilities we all share and exchange with each other and it becomes give and receive. And then you start to go, oh, right. So if I can see the magic in it, that it's quite a miracle, this opportunity to be, to, um, what's the word, to embrace, to recognise, to acknowledge that it's not just this thing that I should have more of. It's actually quite a mystical thing that we're in this life working with other human beings with the power of our talk, it's perception and hands and legs and feet and computers and, you know, it's like, wow, this is, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, which actually means the planet's re revolving towards the sun. You know, it's not actually coming up or down, it's staying there and we're rolling, rolling <laughs> towards it as we go around it. Yeah. You know, it's quite mystical when you start looking at it from different viewpoints at different angles and then you go, oh, I'm pretty lucky to be alive, aren't I? Because this is an incredible experience. Mm. Even if I'm in great pain, it's like, so there are people all around me telling me that this pain could lead to something special if I work out why it exists. You know, it's like, yeah, on that, just that allowing the possibility changes it. And we, we invite a bit of sunshine in through the, through the, we pull the curtains back, invite a bit of sunshine into the lounge room to go, oh, I've been living in here for a while, but the curtains have been pulled. Hang on a <laughs> second, I could change this, you know. And, and so literally life has this mystical element to it that then a little bit further on you start to go, Every time I do open myself up, I do seem to get results instantly and I can't deny that any longer. And I am sitting there in stillness and I'm meditating and the kangaroos are there. And I can't explain it to someone else, but I know I can completely feel those kangaroos and they came to say hello, you know, and and I know you and I know that, but it's kind of crazy that the gap between um, when we're a child, we're open to magic and mystery, you know, when we become the adult in this society's modality, we often become shut off, bitter, twisted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it becomes really logical, linear, very yang. Uh, I'll get, you get, you know, um, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, you know. And it's like, no, 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 you'll see it when you believe it, you know. Mm. So it's, it's quite funny that the return, the full circle, the full cycle on the hero's journey is to go, is to become the adult version of the child. So we get the mystical experience back and the trust in life <clears throat> and the innocence in our hearts open and we drop all the judgment but now we have enough wisdom to know when to be still and when to be quiet and when to speak and you know and when to hold space and when to recognize that oh, somebody else is a little bit negative right now i'll just um i'll just be kind to them now i won't even try and change that and yeah. you know we, we get the discernment of having wisdom of seeing the ins and outs um so now we have the strength of the adult in knowing the difference between when to speak and when to act and when to not but we have the innocence and the of the of the child that never gets squashed anymore mm. and that's a really really powerful thing because we finish that cycle and we begin to realize that life is full of meaning and then that's when we invite ourselves to explore life itself and go what is life then and who is this and what are these other energies i can feel and you know you and i've talked about it before but the old um, nikola tesla saying you know, um, when you want to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Mm. 
Well, this man explained FaceTime phone calls on a mobile phone in the 1930s. Yeah, that's right. Explained how they were going to operate in the future and fit in your pocket. Mm. And um, we'll have technologies that we'll be able to, blah, blah, blah. Was he a time traveller? Well, no, you don't have to be a time traveller. You just tapped in beyond what's currently going on and effectively you're a time traveller because you see things before they happen, you know, and you go, I know this isn't going to end well for that person. You you know it because you tapped out beyond you know, um, getting caught in what's happening right now and you can feel and perceive and, and, and open up to life itself and that's when it becomes really magical because you realise you're in partnership with life, not in a battle with it. Mm, 100% again, mate, and what Dr. Hugh was trying to teach us back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, isn't it crazy what all these incredible people, whether they're mystical religious figures or sages or, you know, or then there's doctors or scientists and, you know, the common thing amongst most of those, if you look at the ones that we're learning the most from ten, decades, centuries and millennia after they've said these things, mm. most of them you look back, they got crucified, burned at the stake, shot, Yes. You know, um, kicked out of society, ashamed, taking all their money off them, you know, all their money taken off them. It, it's like all these incredible people that gave us something for the future to finally understand. Most of them were met their demise and the fact that they challenged the status quo too much, exactly. you know. But yeah. what's crazy now is that, that they were up against the world in some ways because um, there was not enough people conscious and aware. And one of the things that's happened in the last, I believe, decade, but it's certainly accelerated um, in the last few years with a lot of how the you know world pandemic was handled mm. is it made a lot of people question things. Yes. No matter whether they said it was right or wrong or whatever else, it began the questioning and the debate. Some of it was horrific and horrible and families don't speak to each other still because of the shit that was, you know, spread through the news and the hatred and, the, you know, all this stuff was just ridiculous. But the side for the silver lining of that horrible situation is more people than ever have gone, hang on, I'm going to start thinking for myself. Yes. Hang on, I believe something else is going on here and then you meet someone else who clarifies it or validates it and you go, I knew it, I knew it, you know. And so what's happening now is that the collective is beginning to wake up and it's hard to burn, you know, if there's 7 billion of us and, and even if it's, you know, 7 million are waking up, it's hard to burn all of them at the stake or yeah, shoot exactly, all of them yeah. or hang all of them because they, when you shoot one, another one pops up. It's like yes. whack-a-mole. Yes. It's like whack an awakened person, <laughs> you know. And when I say an awakened person, I don't mean a woke person. I mean an awakened person, someone who's present and aware and, and providing space for others, not who, someone who's demanding to be treated better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely beautifully said, Bader. And then there's a lot in that, you know, like, uh, yeah, this is truth, as we've discussed, which is beyond it all. And... Um, yeah, we need to be able to help people, you know, find that. And I know a lot of the work that you do does that, Trev. Um, how can people, like, get hold of you and maybe do a workshop or two with you that uh, that might be able to help them on the journey? Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, hey, absolutely. Anyone listening, um, if you feel that little pull towards anything we do, come and join us or come and say hello. I'm president at Surface Paradise Surf Club. And if you're in this region, come and have a beer there or, you know, a, a chicken snitzy, something <laughs> like that, or, you know, a palmy or something. But, yeah. um, uh, um, or come and join and do a patrol or bring your kids down to nippers because we're really trying to make a change in the heart of surface where we stand for values that are, 
you know, um, goodness. You know, we've been saving lives, creating everyday heroes since 1925, 97 years now. So mm. we've got big 100-year plans. That's one simple way. We have the Life Changer Youth Foundation, Scott Waters and myself started. We have incredible staff. We're supported by some amazing companies, Cotton On, Repco, a bunch of different incredible people. And their workshops are being done, particularly in um, South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, going into New Zealand's getting stronger and moving into Queensland, we're, we're spreading our way around. But that's for kids from 10, 15 years of age, um, supporting them to get a positive self-image and, and, and to understand who they are and to be able to have resilience to deal with the problems that are going to meet them in the new world. Mm. Um, and so that's a really beautiful line of work. So lifechanger.org.au, anyone that's interested in that. Um, my work, um, trevorhendy.com um, and hen at hendytrev. Um, for Instagram and stuff and Trevor Hendy on YouTube. Um, I have workshops. I've got a boot camp for the soul online that's being rebuilt at the moment. It's going to be, it's offline for a little while. But my wife and I do workshops in person. I do workshops online. Um, Kane Johnson, who you've spoken to, is a great mate of mine. And Mark Tiger Clue. Kane is um, ex Richmond um, captain and Adelaide Premiership player. And Mark is a, is a Wim Hof specialist and incredible breath guy and the cuddliest, biggest grizzly bear guy you'll ever deal with. <laughs> and the three of us are now putting on breath and breakthrough workshops. So we're doing two men's ones, one in uh, sold out in October in Victoria, and then we've got a second one in Victoria in November. Um, so you can access that. Just follow me up on trevorhendy.com, send me an email, and I can give you the details. But that's just absolutely incredible. Two and a half days of amazing stuff. And then they're men's ones. And then we're going to invite the women in probably from February onwards. But we, we're getting a few men to have a bit of a journey together and have some conversations. So that's all good. But follow uh, Joe and my journey on YouTube. Um, we get up, put some videos as we're traveling around the country doing cool things. So um, And come do one-on-one -on -one sessions with us or whatever it is. There's many ways to connect. But if you feel a resonance, that usually means that we're tribe. So um, you're welcome in. Amazing, mate. So much more powerful than being on stage with Pamela Anderson. And, um, you know, the, 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 the best is yet to come. So, you know, geez, mate, your journey's been incredible. Well, well yeah. mate, I did get the kiss on the cheek from Pamela Anderson in the Baywatch episode, and that might have been the blessing that set me up for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know. She, she is an incredible human, actually. She's quite an amazing lady, and the stuff she does now, she's quite outspoken mm. um, and doesn't mind being hated by the other celebrities for saying the truth. So she's actually doing great stuff. But, mate, life's been very, very interesting for a long time, and I, I'm just pretty bloody grateful to, to be seeing it more clearly now and having great people like you. And before I go, congratulations on 200 episodes, mate. Started from an idea and from a big heart, and people love what you do. I certainly do, and I, I'm always honoured to come on and have another chat. And I, I love you and appreciate you, my brother, and uh, you're doing amazing things. Thank you so much. You know, I, 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 one of my weaknesses is to receive, you know, and uh, I, ah, I'm really I'll say it again then. I love you and appreciate you, my brother. <laughs> so just give you a second chance to receive it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you very, very much, mate. I, uh, I appreciate that. And hopefully people listening got a lot from the chat and, and you know, send us some feedback. Uh, be, be really grateful. And uh, I'm sure we're going to catch up again soon, Trev. So, you know, thank you very much. And did I say that I love you and appreciate you, my brother? Did you I say that? You did. Thank you. Mate. I love you and appreciate you as well. So, no, I, um, I really do. No, thank so, you, mate. Thank you.